episode two of Run Amok with Rex and Chuck with Nate the Great, now sitting at the same table with Hello. us. Nate the Great, of course, is our stalwart producer who will look up things on command and keep us uh, updated on the live stream. So thank you, Nate the Great, for You're uh, joining us in the studio from now on. Yeah. Thanks for being willing to take this on with us. I, of course, again, am Chuck, my fearless teammate, Rex. What's up? So today we've come together... Uh, to coalesce around one central question. That question is just why why church? Why be part of a church? Why mm-hmm. have the church? If you're not in a church now, why should you be a part of one? If you're in one, why should you stay in it? What you sh- what should you be doing in it? Mm-hmm. What do you what do you stand to gain from being part of a church? Is there a theological reason to even be in one? And then maybe towards the end we'll we'll explore the state of the church at least as far as we know it Uh, of course we want to avoid putting down the church as a corporate body i'm not into that at all no and we're not going to use any specific examples of churches no of course just kind of our general understanding of what's going on we're not here to just kind of point fingers at anybody no absolutely not we just want to share what our experiences are and what we can um, hopefully just kind of put out there as something that you can take and try to look into your own life and think, well, is that what I'm experiencing or is that what I'm afraid of? Um, just try to get it to be just real real for everyone. Yeah. Um, now, you both have church in your youth background. This is correct. I No, I did not grow up in the church. You were never part of like a youth group? No. For some reason, I thought you were. I was a youth leader in my 20s. Okay. That's that probably a different what I'm thing. thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So you started coming to the church as an adult. Uh, I was 18. Yeah. When I first started coming to a church. Yeah. So you waited waited until you could vote. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason I went is because I was dating Amanda, who went. Yeah. And she's like, hey, if you want to date me, you should probably go to church. Always good. So we have a good mix then. So Nate, I know you grew up in the church because... I was your neighbor yes. for the first five years of my life, five or six correct. years. Yes. Which is a whole other story that yeah. we'll touch on. Someday. Someday. Yeah. Um, but I know you guys were in the church because you know our, our mutual friends we had, your other neighbors, mm-hmm. and I, um, we knew the Johnsons as, as like, whoa, that's that's the really religious family. And it's, it's crazy because I now pastor the church that the really religious family goes to. That is correct. So, um, Rex, of course, joined as an adult, and I joined as an adult. So let me put this question out to both of you. Mm-hmm. Nate, we'll go with you first. Um, if someone were to come up to you now, someone who's not in a church, let's say someone who's never been to a church, right? And, th- and they're sort of on the fence. They've seen a Bible once or twice. They've seen the passion of the Christ, you know, uh, and they, they got really into the performances there. Big Mel Gibson fans. And they say, Nate, you go to a church. I'm kind of thinking about it. What's it like? Why should I go? Why should I go to a church? What are you going to say? Well, um, there's there's a lot of good things about it. I mean, um, there there is a there is a little bit of a hesitation. I feel like from some people who see a church as organized religion, and that's that has a bad you know association in their mind um, for some reason, whether it's a past experience or um, you know some some just built in prejudice. But I. I don't see it that way. It for me, it's a it's a place of peace, uh, of comfort, um, support. It's it's nice to have a 
sort of a large secondary extended family, if you will, um, who you can count on for to for support and, and to hold you accountable if you need to be held accountable for certain things to help you along just with life. And not to discount, you know, everything else, because it's it's important for your faith and it's important for, you know, growing in your faith. But there is also a, a very good, um, I would say, social aspect of it, which is you become part of something that it's another, it's like another circle of friends or fam- and family, I guess. And it's, like I said, it's something that, that you can, you can count on that, that is not going to go away or, or just, you know, leave you by the wayside just because, you know, something, you have some, some troubles in your life or something. I guess, I don't know if that answered the whole question, but that's yeah, at least no, some thoughts we're, on we're, it. We're tracking in all the right directions yeah. here. So you see a, a huge social benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned it. It gives you access, let's say, to a whole new circle of people that you could consider family. Um, having grown up in it, I'm sure there's all kinds of activities that you got to be a part of, yes. you know, that are unique to the church, things that you would not be able to do outside of a church context. Mm-hmm. Hume Lake, for instance. Um, I don't know if you ever went, but that I would be not. an example of that. Yeah, you know, uh, but the there youth. were other other youth events, you know, retreats, camps, et cetera. Um, yeah. Not Hume Lake specifically. I don't know why um, we might, it might've been earlier at that point in, in that particular church's uh, lifespan, they might not have been able to afford it or might not have heard of it, but yeah, uh, it's not a did, cheap camp. We no, did other things. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's all kinds of, yeah. a lot of churches don't go just cause they can't get spots. Yes. You know, there's only 10 weeks in the summer camp. They can only take so many kids on and on and on. But uh, you know, it is a, a locked, Locked business, shall we mm-hmm. say. So, uh, Rex, sort of the same question, man. If someone were to come up to you and they're saying, hey, man, I saw the passion. <laughs> I know a thing or two about Jesus. I've heard of him. Right. So, you know, I'm not sure if it's true or resurrected, but, you know, um, there's a church in my neighborhood, and, and they seem like nice folks, but, I, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Why should I go? You're part of a church, right? Why should right. I go? Well, I mean, I don't want to just say everything that Nate just said, but I think he's right on it with the sense of community that you can get in a church. Uh, That is, to me, what drew me into the church. When I first started going, I went because Amanda, but what really finally made me realize that, oh wait, God is real, was through um, being in a, a small group, you know, meeting in a home with, you know, I think there was like 10 people we were all in our like early 20s when i started going to uh, small groups or life groups and they were so welcoming to having me there and some and they all knew i wasn't a believer yet but they wanted me to be there they were encouraging they never pressured me but they they loved on me in a way that i had never really experienced um, especially outside of like my own family, like I didn't, I never actually believed that people could care like that for somebody else. Mm. I, I kind of just grew up with the notion that everybody's just out for themselves, and if you allow yourself to be kind of tricked into joining something or going to some group or going to a church that. Um, that they were going to take advantage of you mm-hmm. in that setting. It just kind of opened my eyes to what community can be like. And I want to bring up that my dad, he's actually been a part of a lot of different groups 
not church groups, but like he would get really involved with like a Corvette club and then he'd get really involved with Harley Davidson club. And Hmm. um, so they were in all these different things and they made a lot of friends out of it. But I always just looked at that later. And now that I'm a Christian, I look at that and I go, man, is he just looking for what I have? Like he's, he's just trying to find a sense of belonging, Yeah, which I really get. You got to find the right church for you. I'm not going to say that every church is going to be a perfect fit for everyone. Yeah, absolutely not. But it can provide a place for you to feel like you're in a family, in a place where you can belong. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason church hopping uh, is a thing, you know, and it's not just because uh, people are are fickle or or self-serving or anything else. You know, there really are certain things about certain churches that people appreciate, you know. Um, Corey and I went to one church before we settled on Rockridge, and uh, for me it was, I was brand new in the faith, and I felt like I needed to know more about was what was in scripture, and I needed sort of less of a religious show. Mm-hmm. And then we stumbled upon Rockridge uh, on the invitation of, of a former, well I don't want to say a former friend, they're still friends, but someone who used to live in the area, and they said, hey, why don't you come try our church out? And we wound up at Rockridge, and yeah. the first time I listened to Mike preach, I just was sold. You know, I thought, man, this is that kind of biblical, historical education I've been looking for. Nice. You know? Props to Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he sold me. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you this much, it's been such a blessing to hear from people who are in our church now come up and tell me, you know, the first time I was here, you preached, and that's part of the reason we stayed. So, that's awesome. Yeah. That, Who said that? that came back. No, don't ah, tell me. Man, nobody needs to know. Um, but, you know, rest assured, it has been said uh, right. once. So. Once, <laughs> at least. Yeah, at least. All right. Um, so what I'm getting uh, most so far is that the sense of community is appreciated. Yeah. That it is, it is uniquely a family environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say family environment, I don't mean uh, like a family movie where it's appropriate for all ages. I mean... That it is something just it is something beyond these are my friends mm-hmm. right or this is my affinity group you know it's something beyond this is the Corvette Club mm-hmm. or you know right. I guess in my case like oh this is the the pro wrestling fandom club you know <laughs> um, because you can call us around love for a thing right but that doesn't necessarily foster community it's know? not the same as building love for one another and taking care of each other in a way that you can do in a church yes. yeah. I guess you could do that in other in other places, but a church is really kind of designed to that to that end. Yeah, I mean, you could, you know, and I'm sure that does happen in affinity groups like car clubs or you know fan clubs of of, of whatever whatever art, let's say. Um, but in the church, there's a spiritual, theological imperative, a command, a sense that this must happen here or this must be done here that we would be something more than friends that we would be willing to do difficult things together in relationship things like holding one another accountable um, giving up our property for the benefit of one another you know stuff stuff like you would see in acts or, or paul's epistles where these people are clearly intimate with one another on a level that goes beyond friendship um, on a level that really we would define as 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 this is these are brothers in the faith, right. you know. Yeah. Um, they give each other access and permission to do things that are are so far beyond what we would consider in the Western world to be friendship, you know. Um, it's right. the only place, the only group, the only organization 
where we feel like we are beholden to God to foster that kind of community. A Corvette club is not. Right, no. <laughs> you know, they are... Uh, I mean, it could be a really cool Corvette club that's it could. also serving God, one another, and driving sweet cars. That's I feel right. like that's yeah. an idea waiting to happen. Yeah, let's yeah. start it. Um, it may have already happened. Oh. Probably. Well, let's start another one. Yeah. Just so I can have an excuse to go out and spend money I don't have and buy a Corvette. Can we Can we start the, the wrestling club instead? No, nah, nobody likes wrestling. Oh. Well. Except for you and wah, Georgina. Wah, wah. <laughs> that's fine. So yeah, um, there is something unique about church community, and that is defined by the the presence of God there, yeah. and the role of the Spirit. We have we have this imperative to be a unique community that nobody else has. What do you think are some of the most important roles the church plays in society right now? Oh, why does society need us as the church? Well. I don't think society would say they need us. I'm going to stipulate that real quick. But we kind of are a means for God to be pushing back on, I don't know if corruption is the right word, but we can provide a level of morality and a place to take care of the community. Because the church actually isn't called to just take care of just ourselves we're supposed to be taking care of our communities which includes everyone around us it's not just us Mm -hmm. some churches don't do that or some churches maybe aspire to do that but just haven't found their means of doing it Um, but that's what we should be we we should be um, going out helping the widows helping the orphans um, helping the poor like and in a lot of cases we do And I read somewhere that actually the United States is the leading country for um, giving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And I think a big part of that is just, it just comes from the the ideals that started our country. Um, And it helps that we're also like a powerhouse and we have money to give. Yeah, we have the economic availability um, and the economic power to be a giving country. Which is wonderful. Um, Right. Who tells people to take care of one another? Um, Outside of the church, I feel like a lot of people would say that that's just an inherent morality that we've developed over centuries of being a species. But I don't see that when I'm raising my child. Yeah. Someone I I met actually at a Metallica concert... Uh, Corey and I wound up in a, a theological discussion with some strange woman at a Metallica concert. At, yeah, in the nosebleed seats, pretty awesome of the Metallica S and M two show up in San Francisco. So evangelism really can't happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing she tried to tell me, based on she had a, a, a Christian spiritual background, but she had also been, shall we say, drawn astray uh, mm. by worldly especially eastern philosophy you know buddhism stuff like that confucianism on and on and on and one thing she tried to tell me is that the the biblical concept of self-sacrifice or putting yourself second was invented in the first century by people who were trying to make city life more livable that this doctrine was essentially invented so that people would just treat each other better 
that there was nothing inherently God-given about it. Not, you know, God didn't define it, it was invented by these people in the first century. Hmm. That seems like it means that she believes that people are kind of inherently terrible to one another. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure That she, we would need to kind of fix that. Yeah, and I'm sure she would agree. Um, you know, of course, the pushback against that is that, no, this this principle of self-sacrifice is not, it's not endemic to us. It, 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 it was handed to us by God as, as this, this law that is supposed to, to give shape to the way we treat one another. Um, it's supposed to be something that lives in our hearts, this desire to lift others up, to, to be agents of, of justice and peace in our communities, motivated by our love for God himself. Mm-hmm. motivated by our desire to to serve the lord wherever he sends us that it's not something that we just invented right it's not something that that is nice that it makes life easier in a certain urban setting it is a theological imperative it is something that we essentially owe to god in our obedience to him i'm not sure where it makes like our lives easier as a whole because, I mean, if you're living that lifestyle, I wouldn't say that it makes your life easier. It may not make your life easier, but it makes the life of the community better, I suppose, when people approach one another with this this ethic of, I'm, I'm going to sacrifice so that you may have a better time, a better life, more things, so that you can be taken care of. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned, one of the things you mentioned was that society needs the church because we are we are sort of this moral agent in the community um let's be real morale there are moral failures within the church probably at the same rate that there are moral failures outside the church right yeah. i guess the key difference is that we have a a central authoritative guide for how we would define a moral failure uh one that we believe is given to us by god um and that we are uniquely a community that says we admit and are open about our status as as sinners we are freely admitting that we do not live up to the the moral standard let's say set forth by scripture by our christian ethics that we are in need of grace Mm -hmm. but that there's nothing because we are openly admitting it there's nothing necessarily hypocritical about it you know so when we say we're a moral agent i guess what we mean is not that we are the moral betters of our right. community, yeah. but that we are a community that strives to bring a system of ethics into the community, a system of morality into the community that is defined by God and communicated in Scripture, shaped by the Spirit, you know, communicated to us spiritually, yeah. um, one that does, does send us out to edify others, to stand up for justice, to make sure hungry people get fed to make sure the naked are clothed, prisoners are visited, things like that. And though there are a lot of groups that have very good missions, um, that that have ethics of, of what they would call social justice, things like that, the church is this community that uniquely goes forth with a, a God-given set of morals. So when we say we're a moral agent, it's not because we are morally better than any other group. It's because we are doing our best to take our morals take them outside the walls of the church and live them out in our communities. Now, when you say we are doing our best, I don't know that we can say that as like a blanket statement for the church because there are 
a lot of instances where churches are definitely not doing their best and in fact are really messing things up. Um, they're really um, hurting their communities, which is really unfortunate that that has to be the way it is. But as you said, we are we are still people. Every group of people is going to have um, that bad egg, so to speak. When we as a church fall off course and do more damage than good or do it damage to our communities, there's more than just that initial hurt because now you've got a lot of people looking at that and saying, I don't want anything to do with that because now they've looked at that one individual and labeled the whole church is, is like that individual. Yeah. Um, and it, that's something that has been a part of the, the Christian public life since the first century. Go back through the epistles. Um, Galatians is the first one that comes to mind, but it is so present in Acts and present in other letters that Paul wrote. This, this call to live in a uniquely Christian way in public life. So in Galatians, for instance, he is telling the people in that town, the people in that Christian community, do your work joyfully. When you're, when you're in public life, have have an attitude of joy. Mm-hmm. Don't grumble about the work that you have to do. Don't don't let people accuse you of being bitter mm-hmm. or angry or unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. Radiate joy wherever you go. And he actually tells them through that, through that people will be brought to wisdom. And of course wisdom, as scripture understands it, begins with the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. So essentially he's giving the Galatians this message that some people will be converted just by observing your joy. Right. So when you say more damage is done when Christian communities visibly, publicly fail to live up to their ethical, moral imperative, when a Christian community does damage to the community around it, you're right, the effect is, is tragic. Mm-hmm. Because not only does that damage the community, it damages the perception of the church. And it allows people, it gives them an excuse to view us as they may already want to view us right, as yeah. this hypocritical organization of broken people pretending to be something we're not. And I can't think of many things more heartbreaking than that. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. And I really just, I know that for me when I was um, in high school and hearing about Christians, I remember thinking, oh, that's, that's not going to ever be for me because that's just p- hypocrites. I only ever saw what, you know, was shown on the news. And sometimes they would show like, hey, this church donated to this cause and helped these people. But more often than not, you see the harmful effects of somebody doing something they shouldn't have. And that really did guide me because that was my only real source of who a Christian was, was watching TV uh, because I didn't know any. And again, that comes back to why church? You're going to actually get to know some real people and see them living life and seeing how they're living life and how, I think most importantly, how they deal with one another and how they deal with tragedy and how they can support each other and turn to God when they need to. And to do it in a public way or do it in a, in a, a way of inclusion 
it helped me to finally realize that, okay, I'm only getting one side of the story when I'm just watching TV or whatever. And yeah, like you said, some of it is too, like you just want, you hear what you want to hear. But if that's the only way that you're like judging a church is just from the outside, you're, you're not getting the full picture. And if you think you are, you, um, you're fooling yourself. Yeah. And some people are okay with that. And one day God's going to find you and maybe he'll have to be a little bit more extreme with getting you into a church, but hopefully he does. I pray that he will get you into a church because you need it, even if you don't realize you need it. And you will find joy there. There's just so much that you can get out of it. And then there's also the joy of what you can put into it, Mm -hmm. which is a whole nother level, which once I started doing ministry, I discovered all that that I was getting through being in a life group and, and receiving that kind of like just unquestioned love. Like you, you are a human being and we love you. Thank you for being here. I was able to then turn that around and start giving that out, working with the youth group, working on the worship team. It provides me an outlet to serve others, and I get joy out of that. It's not just, oh, I get to have fun playing guitar and singing. It's also, I get to know that people are benefiting from what I'm doing. I get to play with the team that I have which is always fun. I work with great people. It's a blessing in my life. So community has been a huge part of your spiritual experience. The Christian ethic that you really can come as you are and be welcome among be welcome among Christians, be welcome in the church has been a huge part of your spiritual experience. Yeah, I mean I I walked in uh as a very quiet I don't really want anything to do with this kind of personality and mentality. Um, I probably wore like an Iced Earth shirt because I'm a metal For head. anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> Iced Earth is a metal band. Uh, great thrash black metal band. Uh, do, would, would you call that accurate? Probably uh, not black No, metal, I wouldn't I say guess. black metal. Yeah. Just metal. Yeah. Thrash. American metal. Yeah, I might be trying to get too specific. Yeah, this, no, you're going too but, far. But they're really fantastic. Uh, for anyone who is who is hearing this, uh, go ahead and look up an album called The Glorious Burden. You, will not <laughs> you would it. recommend that one. Yeah. Uh, it is not a Christian band, but I still listen to music that I enjoy. <laughs> we all do. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not perfect people. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, listening to heavy metal is not necessarily a sign of imperfection. No, I mean, there's some Christian metal bands. I mean, I might question just how Christian they are, but they exist. I wanted to revisit your experience of Christian community just for a moment, because I I don't want to miss this chance to encourage those who are listening. If you have never made contact with a Christian community, or if it's been a long time since you've encountered a Christian community, Hear this story. Hear this testimony that Rex has. Because it's, it, it can be a powerful encouragement um, and reminder that the Christian spiritual community on its best day has a God-given motivation to welcome you with open arms. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is my prayer that if you ever choose to re-engage discussion with a group of Christians who you know, be it a church, a, a small group that meets at someone's house... Um, a small group that meets in a little coffee shop, wherever you might find us, 
it is my prayer that if you if you work up the courage and feel encouraged to do it, if you work up the courage just to go over and sit down and say hello, it's my prayer that they would greet you with the kind of greeting that you deserve and the kind of greeting that scripture calls for. And I'm confident that most of them would. Um, so I want you to hear Rex's story on this and, and just feel so, so driven to seek out a Christian community somewhere near you and just do, I know it's hard, but do that difficult work of just saying hi, introducing yourself, taking a seat at the table, even if you say nothing, if you just listen, but just experience the joy of being welcome among others yeah, and receiving hospitality, perhaps. And I know I'm a worship leader and I'm doing a podcast and talking a lot, but I am actually probably the most introverted person in my various circles. Oh, this is absolutely true. Um, so here's another great Rex story. Oh, no. For his birthday, Rex and I take a road trip to Fresno and go see Metallica at the basketball stadium up there at Fresno State University. I am bouncing off the walls. <laughs> and I look in the chair next to me, and there's Rex sitting arms crossed, clearly enjoying the music, yeah. but so still. And there's a couple other guys near us, and they're sort of, you know, banging into each other, as, as you might expect people to do at a heavy metal concert. And at one point, Rex leans over to me, and he just says, those guys are just annoying me so much and giving me so much anxiety <laughs> because I just want to sit and enjoy the music. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, there's a level of anxiety there for me. We actually almost had an opportunity to go into the pit, remember? Yes, we did. The yeah. guy came up and he was trying to, I mean, I think he was looking for young women, but very. you tried really hard to get his attention I so did. that we can go down there. You're like, this is his first concert with Metallica. And I was sitting there like looking at you. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Chuck, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, um, this actually can be for either, both of you. Um, what was the scariest thing about going to church the first time? I don't know if you remember. You might have just been like, you were in church, Nate. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> pretty much there from when I was a toddler. Were you yeah. scared at all to no. re-engage church all, the year, all these years later? Uh, that's a different question, yeah. So, I mean, and I don't think we have time to go to the whole story now, but um, I did, uh, I would say, take a break from it for a little while um, and then came back into it. Uh, certain things in my life led to that, uh, which we won't get into yet. But um, it wasn't scary. It was It was actually kind of nice. It was, I mean, I wasn't, I, w I wouldn't even say that there was anything to be scared or nervous about other than just the fact that I hadn't seen some of these people in a long time that, that I would consider family and that I would be uh, asked such questions like, hey, where have you been? Or, you know, what's going on or something like that. But um, would you say that's the hardest part that they wanted to know where you've been or? It's possible. I mean, yeah, but it, in, in for me, it wasn't even that big of a deal. It's not like I made up excuses. I would just, I just told them, well, I mean, I, I was gone for a while and, yeah. you know, we can get into it if you want, but, uh, it's a long story. So, yeah, but no, I mean, it was great. It was, I, I didn't have a problem. It was, it was nice to come back to. What about you, Chuck? Uh, to be a hundred percent honest, 
when I first started coming to church, you know, I'm an, I'm an adult. I'm in my 20s. I am dating my now wife. I was terrified. I was afraid that I would not be accepted, that they would find me out, mm-hmm. you know, and expose me. I actually had a fear that as we engaged the church together, someone would come along and tell Corey, you should not be with this person. Oh, because you weren't a believer at the time. Because I was still coming into that, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I was praying, and I I had grown into a sense that, yes, God is real. Yes, Jesus is real okay. and okay. is who he says he is, but I had not elected to belong to a church i you know i and i just wasn't i just wasn't sure just what the community would be like yeah mm-hmm. and i just i had this real fear that as soon as these people pull the covers off of me and they see me for who i am and they know that i like heavy metal and they know that i you know went and fought in a war and they know that i you know i don't know Fill in the blank for whatever interest it is, because I didn't think any interest I had was valid or good. Mm -hmm. As soon as they find out who I am, they are going to convince Corey to leave me, and I'm going to be alone again. I had a real fear about that. Yeah. Thankfully, the exact opposite happened. Good. (laughs) Um, This guy's good. Yeah. Marry him. Well, yeah, sort of. Um, Mostly. You know, Corey and I eventually, we got engaged at church, in front of the church. there you go. Because they had voiced their love for us in the tent so clearly yes no no, no we weren't in the tent, tent yet oh, we were that was still the we were right. still renting a building yes. in temecula um but they they had given us really a clear endorsement not just that you know we like you as individuals but you know what we we like you guys as a couple you know we like to yeah. be around you we like it when you guys are together so i felt confident enough in our about our place in in the church mm-hmm. where i said hey you know let me propose to her in front of the congregation. Yeah. And Mike and I worked up a whole plot to do that. Um, that worked out really well. Nice. And the worship team was a part of it and everything. But uh, So that was a real incredible journey to go from, oh my gosh, these people, they're going to take her away from me. And they're going <laughs> to have all the right reasons for doing it. But yeah. I had a real anxiety about that. Yeah. To go from that place to, this is our family. And I wouldn't want to get engaged to this woman without our family you know i I don't know if i just had like a skewed level of confidence i didn't think anybody was gonna take amanda from me but i definitely had that feeling of i'm an imposter here well like we're gonna get into that in another episode i think sure yeah yeah sure we can because that's an interesting topic because there's still a latent sense of that sometimes isn't there oh yeah yeah definitely i have it too Mm -hmm. a little bit you know yeah um and it's not it's not the community's fault no. at all. It's just something that's in me that still still has this feeling, not that they're going to like expose me as not being a real Christian, because I, I absolutely would go to the mat and say I am a real, genuine believer in Jesus. Um, you know, it, it, I, I will fight you to the living end on that. Um, but I do sort of have this latent fear that, that oh no, someday they're going to find out that I'm really a bad pastor. <laughs> that I'm just that I'm just not good at this job. And they're gonna get their pitchforks yeah. and they're gonna chase you out of that and, tent. Uh, they're just they're gonna be so so upset, <laughs> you know, when they find out that that I don't know that that my organizational skills are so bad or or you know that I 
Are they bad? Feeling them. Oh, they're terrible. (laughs) They're so bad that when I had done other job interviews and they inevitably get to that question of, well, what's your greatest weakness? You say organization? Yeah, I mean, you know, the temptation is always to say, well, I think I work too hard sometimes. Right? Wink, wink. Right, classic. Um, That I actually just started being honest and saying, you know what? My organizational skills are not the best. Mm -hmm. If you send me an email and tell me to, you know, clean out my inbox... Rather than sending you an email back and saying, affirmative, I'm just going to do it. And you're probably going to see me in the office and say, hey, did you get that message? And I'll simply point to my inbox and say, yes. (laughs) Um, Maybe that's a lack of communication. Lack of communication. Also, just over-calendaring, right? Because I don't keep track of my own calendar well enough. I should do that, too. Yeah. I'm Uh, not good at that. You know, I double book myself. I'm in the moment, man. Yeah. I'm living free, bro. (laughs) Wow. I got freedom in Christ. Come on now. You know? So... In any case, uh, to get back to sort of our central question. So the last question I asked is, is why does kind of why does society need the church, right? Hmm. What do we what do we add to society? I guess is sort of the a, a different way to ask that question. Um, there was one part of that answer that I didn't get to provide um, because one of the things we add is spiritual knowledge and guidance about spiritual things. So. All of the data, insofar as they can collect data on things like this, shows that people are becoming more and more spiritual. This idea that we're becoming this very atheistic, uh, secular community, secular society, Mm. sorry, bigger than community, Mm -hmm. is actually quite faulty. People are becoming increasingly spiritual, but they are becoming decreasingly uh, Christian and decreasingly religious across the board. Yeah. And I'm sure you've probably run into in the last five years more people than at any other time in your life who who say things like, well, I'm just trying to inject positivity. Yes. Or oh, I'm, I'm very spiritual, but I'm not religious. Yes. You I'm know. sending thoughts your way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. You know? Oh, look at my crystals. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sorry for anybody who's really into crystals. Or essential oils or uh, hey. Buddha <laughs> or, you know. Sorry, maybe that was too far. That's In any right. case, um, we, are be, we are still a very spiritual society, a very spiritual world. But people, I would say, are more lost about spiritual things than they've ever been. It would almost be, I don't want to say preferable if, if it was a more atheistic world. But, but there is just so much more confusion about the spiritual world because there's not... There's not definitive authoritative teaching taking place in most people's lives as they seek after spirituality. So what they end up with is sort of this mishmash of Eastern wisdom and spirituality, stuff like, you know, crystals. And, uh, of course, good spirituality must smell good, so they get essential oils in there and things like that. And don't forget to head out to Sedona where there's a nice vortex. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, certain places all of a sudden assume power, you know. Yeah. Um, yoga is really just stretching, um, but all of a sudden it becomes this very spiritual experience, right? Um, and and I, I think one thing the church can and should really add to society is that we are a place, a community, that you can come and join to receive real authoritative guidance Mm-hmm. from ancient texts and, and modern interpretations about spirituality and about spiritual things. Yeah. So if you are out there and you're, you're a person who would raise your hand and say, well, of course I'm very spiritual, and I think a lot about the invisible realms and, and, and a lot about spiritual things, reach out to a church 
and and see what the Christian view on spirituality is, um, because it it is grounded in so much more than you probably assume it is. You know? Yes, um, we exist as this agent that can have a powerful teaching role in people's lives to ground them in spirituality and grow them up in it. To give people real spiritual direction when it's so desperately needed so that they don't end up with this this very loose idea of spirituality as just being sort of positive energy or injecting positivity into the world. Because, by the way, who gets to define positivity? Yeah. Um, wasn't L. Ron Hubbard just doing his best to inject positivity? Well, into we the all world? get to define our own positivity, our own reality, and just be happy, good people. This was and, sarcasm, folks. Yeah, this is yeah. sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, in case you're yeah, wondering. Rex is being very facetious. He is, he is illustrating. <laughs> Don't use words like facetious around me. I don't know what it means. You <laughs> knew what you were getting into. When you asked me to do a podcast. That's true. I know. Very Um, accurate. I'm starting to regret it. So is the audience. (laughs) In any case, uh, that's the kind of of attitude and orientation towards spirituality that a lot of people will end up with, with no influence from the church. We can be, for so many, a, a grounding force when it comes to their spirituality, because we do teach from from texts that are authoritative. We do have real inspired words from the God of the universe, you know? Um, and if you are, if you are truly about spirituality and exploring spiritual things, and you really are this free thinking journeyman in the spiritual world, mm. then you should be open to what the Christian message has to say. We are one of the most ancient spiritual communities in the world. Yeah. Roughly 2000 years old at this point. Yeah. So, um, we should have some some validity in your spiritual journey. Yeah. Yeah, there does seem to be like a shift now where people are trying to define their own spirituality instead of finding it in a church because I think we're coming out of this very legalistic background for a lot of people, but we're coming out of like having an authority over you. And not just in church, but just kind of in general, we're having this this more me-centered society where you can kind of figure things out on your own. You can hop on Google and find people who agree with what you're kind of already thinking and and then just kind of build on top of things over and over and over until you've defined your own spiritual reality and you've kind of shunned the authority of a church body because they've done all these wrongs in the past or Mm. um, whenever you get a group of people together, there's going to be oppression and you just kind of have these these thoughts, these ideologies now of, of authority is bad almost. And that's, that's sad because if you just automatically hear the word authority and think, oh, I'm going to be put down, you're missing out on something. There's, there's some freedom in falling under some authority that I think a lot of people are just not understanding right now and why they're maybe having an aversion to church is because they don't want to have some other fallible thinks differently than me human being over them. And then there's probably the more the more deeper thought of also I don't want to have an all-knowing God have authority over me who knows all my dirty secrets, you know, like why would I want that? Why would I want to invite that? And 
they kind of fail to realize, well, he's there no matter whether or not you invite him in. But uh, I think that they just feel more safe and secure not following that. Yeah, there is a desire to depersonalize who God is in a lot of this spiritual but not religious movement, uh, culture, whatever we want to define it as. But I think I think our best effort to answer that question has arrived at, at three three things about the church that are very true and that I want people to hear and feel very encouraged about. The first place we went to is community. It is absolutely true that the church offers a unique sense, style, and flavor of community that you will not find anywhere else. And if you truly feel the need to belong somewhere, try a church. Walk in at least once and tell me that you don't feel accepted in at least some way. From community, we started to talk about ethics and we started to talk about morals. And I think most people would say that we live in a world that is decreasingly interested in talking about ethics and morals, which means that this, that society needs the church more and more because we are a long-standing agent of ethics and morality, at least in the Western world, a place that, that does send people back out into their community formed spiritually, formed ethically, um, installed with a a sense of morality that is truly concerned about justice and the well-being of the people around them. Not just because it would be nice if we could lift up our neighbors and not just because we should be nice to each other. We don't even get to define what niceness is. They go out into their community with this sense of morality because it is something God has called them to do and, and to be because it is something that their church is reminding them over and over and over again to live up to. At least it should be. One of the best things that we as, as ministers can do for the Christian community is to remind them that they are called and blessed and sent people with a system of ethics to live up to and live by and broadcast to others. And finally, we arrived, we arrived at, at, at the mind, right? The mind itself and it, all of its curiosity about spiritual things can be shaped and informed by the church. And if you are truly concerned with spirituality, the, the most secular definition that we could have for Jesus is simply to say he is one of the greatest spiritual teachers of all time, the greatest spiritual teacher of all time, that disregards his divinity and, and the sonship of God that we know he has. But if you are really interested in spirituality and you're really about that as much as you say you are, then come under the heel of the greatest spiritual teacher who ever lived. How do you do that? Well, you crack open a Bible. You start with Matthew. You go to Mark. Then you go to Luke, and then you go to John. And then you start reading the stuff that, that the people who met Jesus and who sat with him wrote. The people who, who were shaped by his teachings, you start to see the things that they wrote. First, second, third John, Revelation. You get into Paul's life, a man who encountered Jesus in an entirely different way and was taken out of a community that attacked the church and became one of its greatest servants. If you're really about spirituality, you should be interested in those stories. So, if the question is why church, let me start with your heart. That's the ethics stuff. Move to your mind. That's the spirituality stuff. And then move external. 
to relationship with others. That's the community stuff. That's why church. Well said, Chuck. I hope our audience has gotten something out of this. Um, Episode two, why church? Thank you, men. Thank you, listeners. We will see you next time. Good night. This has been Run Amok with Rex and Chuck. And producer Nate. Thank you. Thank you.